Good morning. Yeah, I have to kind of make a make a confession uh, this morning that there's uh, uh, human that you got to have a computer to file things up. Uh, that yeah, I was going to go in one direction uh, with the message today, but as I began reflecting upon the events of this weekend, Veterans Day, and our, our recognition of you. Uh, you know, I, I just, uh, God was just leading me in a, in a different direction. Uh, and, and, and to uh, the veterans, I, I do not know what you faced. To the family, I do. And so uh, I still remember to this day, it was a Saturday morning when the phone rang and somehow I knew it was Matthew. It was about time for him to call and check in. Uh, he was uh, in his second tour of Iraq and his first words were to me that he never said these words before. He said, Dad, I'm all right. I said, what's wrong? He said, Dad, I'm all right. He said, what's, I said, what's wrong? And he said, we got hit by an IED. And uh, thankfully, with other than a little bit of sore foot and a little bit of hearing loss, he was okay. And, and for that, we are thankful. So I understand your, your anxiousness. But because the Holy Spirit kind of led me in a different direction, I, 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 I want us to think about this passage is found in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. And it's found, I want to share it with you in your hearing from the New Living Translation, and it goes like this. Paul says, a final word I leave with you, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power, but on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Now, if you're one of those that like to rant and rave on Twitter and Facebook about Obama or Trump or any other politician, stop it if you're a Christian. That's not our battle, okay? Let me, get, let me go. I, I didn't mean to get uh, make an editorial comment. But against evil rulers, authorities of the unseen world. Now, last time I checked, Washington, D.C. could be seen. Am I right? So let's quit attacking those powers against the mighty powers in this dark world and against the evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil, then after the battle, you will be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all the believers everywhere. Those we honor today, soldiers, are not the only ones who have been called to fight. We, if we are truly followers of Jesus Christ, then we are called to join into a war. And if you can only remember one thing, about my message this morning, it needs to be this. The outcome of this war is decided by two factors, enemy identification and the weapons that we use. There's a great, let, let, let's call it 
disorder in the world of the church today. Now, this disorder has nothing to do with polity or politics, though for some of us it is a source of great frustration and aggravation. But that's not the disorder. The disorder is this, that we have forgotten that we are in a great conflict, a war. Battles are fought, won, or lost every day. The cost of this war is mounting, and the casualty count continues to climb. And the casualties of this war are our neighbors, our friends, our family, and the stranger within the gates. It's a war between two kings. Now, one of these kings has some pretty amazing names, Prince of Peace, Wonderful Counselor, the Good Shepherd, the Door, the Gate, the Bread of Life, the Water of Life, Redeemer, Everlasting One. And the other king, he has, he has some, some names too, like the Accuser, Lord of the Flies, False Accuser, Ancient Serpent, the Roaring Lion who Devours, Father of Lies, the Thief, and these are just a few of his names. And here's the thing. Each day of our life, at every moment of every day, we live under the influence of one of those rulers. One of those rulers is influencing our, our, our choices, our words, our attitudes, and our actions. Now, one king wants to control and then throw us away. The other king wants to redeem and restore us so that we can join in the battle that he is fighting. And to be successful warriors, we need to be clear on two things. And let's look at them this morning. First of all, we got to know who, the, who is the enemy. Any good military leader knows that you've got to identify the real enemy. If you don't, you end up with what they call civilian casualties and this thing called fratricide. Now, fratricide is the killing of your own soldiers. Now, we've got our military leaders who have gotten good, better about that, but from time to time we still hear the tragedy of those who were killed or wounded by friendly fire. But there are in the church, at one time it's too often, but it is far too often that in the church, fratricide is way too common. Every week, I hear stories of people who have been wounded by the church. We make our own, our enemy, staff, pastors, committee chairpersons, and other times we make those who are different from us, the rich, the poor, the Democrats, the Republicans, corporations, politicians, and the list goes on. Understand this, no flesh and blood person is ever our enemy. Listen again to Paul in verse 12, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. 
You see, our enemy isn't physical, he's spiritual. And when we turn on people, people created in God's image, when we turn against our own who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, we are turning against God and fighting the wrong enemy. Folks, these are evil times. Would you agree with that? And I've heard a lot of well-meaning Christian folks say, oh, man, oh, if Jesus would just come. I think it's time for Jesus to come. Oh, Lord Jesus, come and deliver me out of this, this horrible, horrible place. But if Jesus were to come right now, have you thought about all of the people who would go into eternity without Jesus as their Lord and Savior? Have you really? I mean, are you so selfish, so full of self-love that you would rather seek your own comfort and be taken out of this world and Jesus come and end it all and all those other people go to hell? <laughs> really? Our enemy is Satan. That means that we are in a spiritual war. When we did our new United Methodist hymnal, what was it, 30, 40 years ago? They did, there was some that wanted to take out onward Christian soldiers because it was too militaristic. Folks, we're in a war. And at stake is the hearts and lives of those created in God's image. And we need to start fighting for them rather than against them. Here's the second truth. The spiritual war requires the right equipment. Once we identify the enemy, who is Satan and his minions, spiritual warfare, then we got to have the right equipment. And Paul understands this because when Paul wrote the letter to Ephesians, he was under what we call house arrest. And when he was looking for an image of what this, this armor of God would look like, he had to look no further than that Roman guard who was always close by. And looking at his attire, Paul saw an eternal spiritual truth. Now, the first piece of the armor is the belt of truth. Now, the belt was more than just to hold his clothes up, Okay. And the, military, the Roman military equipment, do you see the belt there? It was decorated with medals, with, 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 a, with, with, with different metal fittings, which indicated both their rank and position in the military. Now, we look at, you know, how many stripes have they got on their, on their little, uh, now they use uh, those little stick-on things, uh, Velcro things, or, or, or the emblems, we look at that. That's what the belt is. Gave them their authority. And, and our authority is Jesus Christ. Our authority is the truth. The truth that revealed by Jesus Christ. Not who we think Jesus is, but who Jesus really is. And the way we know this truth is by, under, by, by enthusiastically reading this book and letting this book speak to us. This is the belt of truth. You look at Genesis 1 and 2, you see what God intends. And you look at the rest and you see the mess that we have created because of our sin. 
we got to enthusiastically study this word. Know the truth. And live it out every day. Reveal that heart. This is the heart and mind of God. Not people's interpretations of this book. But this book itself. Now the next piece of this armor is the breastplate or the body armor of righteousness. Now, the breast piece, as you can see, was the central part of the Roman soldiers' uh, 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 military uh, protection. It protected all of the vital organs, the heart, the lungs, the liver, all, all the good stuff. Without that armor, they go into battle, and they're as good as dead. Am I right? But with that armor... Those, we those weapons of the enemy become less and less effective. Now, righteousness means right with God. Now, the first form of righteousness is the righteousness we must have given to us through our faith in Jesus Christ. Through faith, God declares us right with Him. It's all through the work of Jesus Christ. You did not have a single thing to do with the righteousness that God puts on you that is the righteousness of Jesus Christ other than to surrender and submit to His love. Now, once we receive that righteousness, then there needs to be the righteousness that comes from living right. Now, if you try to live right in order to be right with God, it'll never happen. But if you become right with God first through faith in Jesus Christ, then you start living out those things that He tells us to do. We start living right because we have been made right. Then we achieve another level of righteousness. First, Jesus, what He does for us. Then secondly, what He does for us. To be righteous is to obey God's commands. And God's commands are always rooted in those two greatest laws of all. Love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then to love your neighbor as yourself. You see, the breastplate of righteousness is all about protecting our heart from things like pride, arrogance, self-righteousness, and the most fatal disease of all, complacency. His righteousness and us living out that righteousness protects us from the attacks of Satan. Now, the next piece of armor, he says, is the shoes made from the peace that comes from the gospel. Now, military, uh, Roman military footwear was constructed of three layers. You had that bottom sole. Then you had that, that outer part that, that formed the, 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 that laced up the front of his back. Then you had the insole. And then in addition to that, they would take, you see those little, like those brads that are stuck in the bottom of those shoes. Now, those, those nails that they would put in the bottom had two purposes. Number one is it gave them good traction. They're not going to slip, right? Not as likely to slip. You ever tried walking up a steep trail with slick sole shoes? It don't work very well, does it? The other thing was that when the enemy was down, it was good to make sure they stayed down, right? This means for us, the gospel is on the move. And we move with the gospel. And the gospel of Jesus is always moving 
forward into the dark places of life, bringing light to those living in that darkness. We move in the confidence of the power of the good news that comes from Jesus Christ himself. That God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would never perish but have everlasting life. God did not send his son into the world, verse 17, to condemn the world, but that the world through him, Jesus Christ, might be saved. Power of the Holy Spirit to work in people's lives. Now, the next piece of armor he calls the shield of faith. Now, the shield, as you can see, was a large rectangular uh, object. Sometimes it would weigh as much as, as 22 two pounds. It was, it was made of, of wood. They had learned that there were some natural types of glue. We call it laminated wood. And we know laminated wood is a lot stronger than just plain old wood by itself, right? And it was curved. It had either canvas or leather. And that canvas or leather would then be soaked in water before they go into battle because fiery arrows would often be shot at them. And if it was wet, it would extinguish the fire. And they created a defensive posture for them until they were ready to attack. They huddled together, side by side, shields together. It protected the soldier. And when they put them together with other soldiers' shields, it added strength to the formation. Did you catch that? When the shields came together like this, can't you see how much more protected they are together than if they were individually out there? I, I hadn't counted, but just imagine just this, just, just this people in this room, just you. What if we in our spiritual lives look more like that in our daily life with each other? Can you imagine how much stronger we could be? And our shield is faith in God's Word and God's promises. We are stronger when our lives, our shields of faith, are united together through His work on the cross and the power of the resurrection living in us when we know that the Holy Spirit is empowering and equipping us to go into battle. When we stand together, our faith, and our foundation is so much stronger. And the next piece of armor is the helmet of salvation. Now, the helmet served two purposes. First, as you see, it kind of had plumes up there. It identified the unit and the rank of the soldier. And secondly, it protected the head, the brain. Now, we have learned that in the game of football, in this football season, so this is a perfect analogy, that the most serious injuries to the players are not knees, ankles, feet, shoulders, elbows, hands, wrists. The most dangerous injury to a football player is up here. Because when the mind, when the brain becomes injured, the thoughts become scrambled. And it's a far more serious and, and the analogy to the whole armor of God is clear. We need to protect our minds from the influence of the pretender king. See, when we're saved, God gives us a brand new heart inside of us. That's what Jesus said. 
We are born again, a new heart. And the pretender king cannot touch that heart. Now, this new heart is instantaneous through faith. But now our minds are a whole other matter. We have to have those minds renewed and transformed with the mind of Christ. You see, we got to work on how we see life, how we think about life, how we think about each other. Because, see, this is the battleground of Satan. He knows that eventually the mind will overrule the heart. But if we fill our mind with the things of God, it only makes our heart stronger. But if we fill our mind with the things of the enemy, it begins to weaken that heart and moves us out of that place of strength. Let your mind continually, constantly be renewed by the Holy Spirit, by the salvation that God is working in your heart, your new heart. And the last piece of armor is the sword of the Spirit. Now, this is the offensive weapon used to attack. Now, the design of the sword, as you see there, the Roman sword, it is very effective for both thrusting and slashing. It's a two-edged sword. Notice that. Notice it's got a very sharp point tapered. The purpose of the Roman sword was multi-purposed. Our sword, Paul says, is the Word of God. And the Greek word he uses isn't logos that John uses in his gospel. It's ramah. And ramah is a series of words joined together into a sentence that makes a declaration of one's mind and is spoken by the living voice. The ramah. God's voice speaks through this, his book. It's not ours to change or adapt to fit our sin of preference. When we put our two cents worth into this book, we rob it of its strength and its power and its effectiveness as a weapon. And understand this, Hebrews 4.12, for the Word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest double-edged, two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Now, the first place you need to use this sword is right here. And I don't mean me. I mean, look in the mirror. Use that word first and foremost on yourself. We don't use the Bible against other people. We use it against ourselves and against Satan in the spiritual warfare. You see, you got to allow the truth of God's word to speak and expose your innermost thoughts, and desires. Allow that word to reveal what your real desires are in life. Use it then against Satan, that pretender king, and you must be trained in the use of this sword. Now, we've got some veterans here, went through uh, basic training, and one of those things was with your weapon system. Am I right, guys, gals? Got to shoot straight, right? I remember that 
I won't quote it just the way Patton did in the movie. He said, the win of war is not to make, give up your life, but to make some other poor something or other give up their life for their cause. You've got to be trained. You've got to know how it works. And the way you get trained in that is simply to open this book and, 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 and read it and let it speak into your heart. But what you, Sunday school teacher, you're, you're, you're some author, or even what I say about it, I want you to just get into this word and let this word get into you. Let it speak for itself. I have found out that I have learned far more about this book when I have let this book speak for itself than all of the commentaries and Bible teachers that I have ever read or heard of in this world. In fact, what they have taught me about this word is just about this much compared to what the Holy Spirit is revealing to me. Let it speak into your heart first. Now that we have the whole armor of God, we're ready for battle. To battle for the hearts and minds of the people around us. You see, we don't have to be discouraged by Satan's devices or by his power or by his stealth because we aren't alone in this battle. We have access to the greatest power in the universe. See, Satan uses trickery and deceit. He will fool the best of us. If we aren't wearing his armor, I want to ask you a question. Do you have that armor? Are you wearing it and using it every moment of your life? The battle is raging. The costs continue to climb. And the casualty count keeps rising and rising and rising. The cheap cowardly way is to say, oh, just come on, Jesus, and end it all. The way of bravery. And what God calls us to do is not because God wants every person to come to Him, to turn away from the sin in their life. And we don't honor Him if we simply desire, come, Lord Jesus, and end it all. As our praise team comes back up, do you have the armor and are you wearing it? So what are your next steps? First of all, I think if you, there's someone here this morning and you have been guilty of attacking the wrong person. You said some things to another person. You need to go and ask for their forgiveness. You must say, now wait a minute. They were wrong and I'm right. I'm not asking about who's wrong, who's right. I'm saying we don't use the weapons of this book to hurt other people. And so, if you've been fighting against the wrong enemy, I think it's time for you to go to them and say, you know, I'm sorry for what I did. I'm sorry for what I said. I'm sorry for the way I acted. You're not the enemy, and I want you to forgive me. The second step you need to take is this. I want to ask you to commit to 30 days of praying for each other. For each other's welfare, for their health, strength. Who knows what is going on in their life. To pray that we become united in Jesus here. 
that we come, become united in God's mission and that we become united for each other's well 